We begin in Chapel Hill, where police say three suspects were arrested over the weekend in connection with a shooting that occurred earlier this month on Formosa Lane. 23-year-old Dominic Lowe of Raleigh and 20-year-old Deshaun Hammond of Durham are facing multiple felony charges, including attempted first-degree murder. A juvenile has also been charged. Hammond is in custody in Durham. Lowe is in custody in Illinois, awaiting extradition. 29-year-old Ronald Moore of Raleigh was the victim. He suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Also, over the weekend, Chapel Hill officials announced a more specific end date for the Estes Drive Connectivity Project, which has been ongoing for more than a year. A release from the town says the project is slated to wrap up this spring. That's one thing we can look forward to next year. Of course, another thing will be the 2024 election. There will be a lot of attention on the presidential race, and voter turnout will be high, but your ballot will also include a lot of state and local races that won't get very much attention at all. A recent survey from public policy polling finds the vast majority of North Carolina Democrats have zero opinion about the primary candidates for attorney general, lieutenant governor, insurance commissioner, or state Supreme Court, among others. Big change from this year's local elections when turnout was low but the races and candidates all got a lot more media and public attention. So when it comes to those lower-profile offices, what is better, to have them elected in presidential years when more people will vote but nobody will pay much attention, or to have them elected in odd years when turnout will be lower but the candidates and the issues won't get buried by the presidential race? Tom Jensen of Public Policy Polling. What's better for governance, I actually very much think, is it's better to have those local elections when they're the only thing on the ballot. In Michigan, they actually basically forced all elections for everything to be on even-year general election ballots. And in Ann Arbor, where I'm from, we have terrible school board members who never would have gotten elected back when we had school board races where that was the only thing on the ballot and only people who were informed about the school board won. And now that everybody's voting on the school board, whether they have any clue what they're doing whatsoever, we're getting a lot more people who just aren't vetted, who are ending up causing problems, firing superintendents and that kind of thing. And I really do think it's a product of people voting in those school board races who have no clue what they're doing, whereas in Chapel Hill's school board and town council races, at least it's the only focus on the ballot and it just doesn't get buried behind everything else. So, you know, I know people would argue it's better to have more people voting in those those races. I actually really think it's better just to have more informed people voting in those races and that it's better to have them uh, even in a lower turnout election if it ensures that people actually really know what they're voting on. That's Tom Jensen of Public Policy Polling there. You can get the full conversation in the This Morning with Aaron Keck section of our website, chapelboro.com. Time now is 6.13. Time for sports brought to you this hour by Rosewood Wealth Management. Now for the last time in 2023, today is game day for Carolina football as the Tar Heels take the field in Charlotte at 5.30 for the Dukes Mayo Bowl against West Virginia. With your preview of the game, here's 97.9 The Hills' Michael Coe. By the time Carolina takes the field in Bank of America Stadium tonight, it will have been more than a month since its last game. But maybe that's a good thing. Considering the Tar Heels' last outing was a 39-20 shellacking at the hands of NC State, a long layoff to wash away the taste of that terrible night seems needed. Since then, several members of the team have either entered the transfer portal or declared for the NFL draft. Quarterback Drake May, receiver Tez Walker, and linebacker Cedric Gray are among those headed to the pros, while others like tight end Kamari Morales and receiver Doc Chapman have gone portaling. With May getting ready for the league, UNC's QB1 will now be former backup Connor Harrell. 
a redshirt freshman from Alabaster, Alabama, Harrell will be making his first career start against West Virginia. Harrell showed flashes of his ability in the second half of the Campbell game this season and was not lacking for confidence when giving a self-scouting report. I feel like I can do everything. Um, obviously, they're going to have a, a tough time. I'm athletic. I can throw. I can make every throw on the field. I can throw deep, whatever. So, I mean, uh, West Virginia doesn't have you know much film. They're going to have a tough time not, not really knowing, but I'd say I can do a little bit of everything. Receiver J.J. Jones will likely be one of Harrell's top targets, and he expressed faith in Harrell's ability to make UNC's quarterback transition a seamless one. You keep the plays all the exact same because Connor was running the same plays as Drake was the whole season, so it's not like we have to shrink the playbook. You know, Connor was, he's a smart dude. He was valedictorian at his high school, so he knows what he's doing. He knows the playbook. So it's not like a, I wouldn't even say it's like a step down. I mean, yes, Drake was a heck of a quarterback, but Connor's still a, you know, All-American quarterback in my eyes. He's, he, he's here for a reason. So I don't want people to think that, you know, it's a step down. It's just, it's just a change of scenery. Jones was a true freshman the last time Carolina played in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. The Tar Heels made a sorry show of themselves that day, falling 38-21 to South Carolina in quarterback Sam Howell's final game with the program. Jones didn't record a catch in the game, but said the memory of it has left a lasting impact both on him and the rest of the team. We all remember that game, you know, especially for me it was tough because we just it just seemed like we didn't want to be there as a unit. And that's something we, we don't want that to happen again. And we told everybody on this team this year, you know, if you do not want to play in that game, do not come. If you don't, if you don't want to play, don't come on that bus. Because we were going there for a goal to win the game. And this isn't, this isn't a field trip. This isn't just a you know, trip to Charlotte to enjoy everything and enjoy the scenery. We're going there to win. We're going there to win the game. And we want people to know that on this team that it's, it's a serious game. It's not just it's not a joke. Jones's message seems to have resonated with both veterans and younger players alike. Edge rusher Cayman Rucker, who was a sophomore during the South Carolina game, said he's noticed a different energy in practice compared to two years ago. I feel like we're a more mature team now, and um, I feel like we're going to be ready to play um, this go-around, um, regardless of the guys that are missing. So um, I feel like we definitely got a lot more juice. As you can see at practice, we were flying around. We understood a lot more of our assignments. I feel like Coach Chiz has done a great job of just explaining the um, defense to us, not installing too much and not overcooking the things that we've done in the past. So um, I feel like we definitely got a lot more juice going into this game for sure. The Tar Heels will need all the juice they can get defending a West Virginia team which ranks third in the country in rushing offense. The Mountaineers average more than 200 yards per game on the ground. Trying to stifle that attack will be defensive lineman Miles Murphy, who has made the now uncommon decision to both declare for the NFL draft and play in the bowl game. Defensive coordinator Gene Chizik said he couldn't be prouder of Murphy's choice. In this day and age where you see so many guys opt out, uh, it's really good and refreshing to see a guy that, that, that could have. Um, and he said, no, I'm coming back to play. He wanted to play one more game. So, you know, no judgment on anybody that doesn't, but definitely kudos to the guys that do. And he's one of the guys that I'm really proud of. And, and the fact that he's going to do this, because uh, he loves football and he loves UNC, I think it's great. In a time when some bowl games have become glorified scrimmages, the Tar Heels are looking to prove their motivation didn't die last month in Raleigh. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Michael Coe. Again, kickoff is 5.30. Our coverage begins at 2.30, three hours in advance with Inside Carolina Live. You can watch it live on ESPN as well, but we've got the game for you right here on 97.9 The Hill. 
In basketball, the Tar Heel men moved up two spots in the rankings this week to number nine in the AP poll and number 11 in the coaches poll. Big individual honors for R.J. Davis as well. He got named ACC Player of the Week for the second time already this season. First Tar Heel guard to earn that honor multiple times in a season since Joel Berry did it back in 2017. Carolina women's basketball held steady this week, unchanged at number 24 in the AP rankings and just outside the top 25 in the coaches poll. Elsewhere in sports, big congrats to Tar Heel field hockey star Riley Heck, just named as one of four finalists for the Honda Sport Award, which goes to the top field hockey player in the nation, and to the UNC gymnastics team, just picked to finish first in the ACC in the preseason coaches poll. This is the first year the ACC is sanctioning gymnastics competition, so UNC is moving over from the East Atlantic Gymnastics League. Speaking of the ACC, we're also watching the latest there as Florida State officially filed suit against the conference, step one of an effort to leave the ACC, though it would cost them more than half a billion dollars to do so if they can't get out of the league's binding grant of rights media deal. Legal observers say FSU's chances of doing that are slim, but that could change if other ACC schools join them. The league has already countersued, so expect a long legal battle in 2024. Speaking of things to look forward to next year.